0: This morning, I want to begin with a quote from a great preacher, theologian named A.W. Tozer, who once said this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I've reflected on this quote for many years. And I found it to be true because if when you think about God, what comes into your mind is an old man sitting in the sky who's angry and just wagging his finger at you and waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you. Guess what? You're probably not praying very often and talking to God or approaching that God in your mind if that's how you view God. But instead, if you view God as maybe Jesus addressed him in in the Lord's Prayer, as a heavenly Father who loves us, who wants a relationship with us, who wants to talk with us, well, then the likelihood of you speaking with God, talking with God, approaching with God, it's a lot more likely. Because what comes into our minds when we think about God affects how we relate to God. And, and, And this week, I kind of modified the quote a little bit. And I want us to think about uh, another version of it this morning, and that's this. What comes into our minds when we think about church has great consequences for our lives. I think this is true, and I made this quote up, so I didn't sign my name to it because it's not that profound. But what comes into our minds when we think about God has great consequences for our lives, and I would say for our life together as a church as well. So right now, I want you to think When you hear the word church and think about church, what comes into your mind? And now there's probably a number of different images. But I know for some people, when they think about church, this is what comes into their mind. Maybe church as a museum or church as a monument. For a lot of people in our world today, when they think about the church, they, they think about the great cathedrals, maybe Notre Dame or St. Paul's Cathedral in Europe or, or different churches they've been by. Maybe in downtown McDonough, you think about the first Baptist church there, beautiful right there. And, and you think, okay, you know, they're, they're great things that maybe had a purpose in the past, really served people at one point in time. But now they're just kind of monuments that are beautiful, museums maybe to be visited every once in a while. Hey, it's great to have a wedding in a beautiful church or maybe... A concert or something. But, you know, if this is how you view church, you probably don't step foot into church very often. And and when I studied abroad in Europe in college, I would say this was the most common view of church that I encountered among people there. People viewing church as as a museum. So that's one way people think about church. Another way people think about church is church as a business. Church as a business. And so if you want good french fries, where do you go? Checkers. Checkers is the right answer. Checkers has the best French fries. Um, if you want a good milkshake, you go to? What would you say? Dairy Queen. Dairy, okay, you know, I would say cookout. Dairy Queen cookout, you know, you go get your milkshake. If you want wings for the Georgia game coming up, you go to? Shane's, I go to Fish and Wings, it's by my house, it's delicious, but or you make your own, right? So if you want religious goods and services, you want a wedding, you want a funeral, you want an inspiring message, people would think, okay, church is a business, that's where you go, that's where you go and get religious goods and and services, a lot of people who think of the church as a business would also say, okay, the church is also, at some point in the service, going to pass the offering plate, going to beg for your money so that the pastor can fund his airplane and his super cool outfits that he wears on Sunday morning, right? There, that's how a lot of people who view church as a business think about it. And if, if that's how your friends think about church when you've invited them, maybe they've said, you know what, I'm good. I don't really need to go to church. That's, it's just another business like all these others, and I don't need what they're selling. That's another way people think about church. But then there's also a more negative view, and that would be people who think about the church as, let's say, a hate group. People who think about the church as a place full of sexism, racism, classism, Uh, A place that's kind of hate-filled towards people in our world that's just trying to gather people together to get political power to change our our community, or our country, and our world. And and look, if this is your view of church, it's probably not your view of church if you're here this morning, because if this is your view of church, it's probably not somewhere you would step foot into as well. But this is the way a lot of people view the church in our culture today. Church is kind of a hate-filled group of people. And now, for the record i don 't think the church is any of those things i don 't think it's it's meant to be a business i don 't think it's meant to be a hate group it 's not meant to be merely a monument or a museum and, and sometimes we can get caught up on what people outside of the church think about the church and get mad at them but i don't I, I don't get too mad at people when they have misguided views of the church because when people outside the church have misguided views of the church, a lot of times it's because people inside the church who follow Jesus have done some problematic things and if somebody's not part of the church, it's hard to expect them to have a proper view of the church as well. So, I'm not as concerned about what people outside the church think of the church. Instead, I'm more concerned about what people inside the church think about the church. So, I'm more concerned this morning with what you think about the church. What I think about the church, what we think about the church together. Because it has great consequences for our lives, and it has great consequences for our life together. And so I've been pastoring now, this is almost unbelievable, 10 years coming up. I started when I was nine years old. So I'm 19 now, no. Uh, But it really has been 10 years. It has been 10 years. And and in the time, I've I've, uh, been a part of many different types of churches, but I've, I've found some common views among people even inside the church And how they view the church. Some people view the church this way. As an extracurricular activity. So they want to be well-rounded. They want their kids to be well-rounded. And so they think, okay, I I have the gym I go to a few hours a week. You know, we have these learning opportunities. Go to school, get my degrees. I have my mental health. And then I have my spiritual health over here. And so church is just one among many activities that you do throughout the week. And when this is people's predominant view of of church what happens is if like the karate studio changes instructors or changes programs people are like you know what I'm going to find another karate studio and same thing with church people are like you know what if it's not fitting what I need right now exactly in the season I'll go to a different church or you know I'll just step out for a time or if, if the karate studio changes from 6:30 p.m. to 7 p.m. you know it's not working for me anymore so I'll I'll do something else And, and, and in this case, like a lot of times people, if they view it as an extracurricular activity, everybody's always kind of, you know, at an arm's length, because maybe we'll, we'll hang out for a season, but I might not be here in a few months. It's just part of my life, just like everything else. I could take it or leave it. Church is an extracurricular activity. Then there are other people inside the church who view the church, maybe we would say, as a, as a place of, of Entertainment. And so just like you'd go to a movie theater, if this is your view of church, maybe you come early on Sunday, you get some, some coffee in the lobby, you come early, get your snacks, go to the bathroom, get your seat. If somebody's in your seat, you're mad. So you want to get here early, make sure you get your seat. And then throughout the service, you're thinking, okay, was that entertaining? Did that keep my attention? Did I get something out of it? And this is kind of the, the view of church is a place for me to be entertained, and I would say when I was in college, this is the way a lot of times I viewed church. And so, I mean, I visited I visited so many churches, I was looking for the perfect church. And I I, I must've visited 30 churches. And each week I would, I would come in and I would think, okay, was the music good or was it off key? How was the preaching? Did it keep my attention? Was it boring? And then I would evaluate everything and I would say, okay, if I liked it, maybe I'll go back next week. And if I didn't like it, yeah, okay, I'll just kind of move on. Because it was like, Church was about me and my experience. That's the way some people view church. And then there was another way. This is an interesting place I encountered. And this is kind of another way people view church. I was at the mall around Christmas and I came across this store, and it was called Belong. And I thought, oh, maybe it's a church in a mall. I've actually went to a church in a mall once. I was shopping for shoes. There was a church service. I stepped in for like 10 minutes, worshiped, and then I kept on shopping. So I thought maybe this is, a little, uh, maybe this is a, a little church. And then I got closer and I said, no. Over here it says watch, play, compete. And as I got closer, I'd never seen one of these. It was a dark room and, and there was a lot of people in there, but they all had their own little desk cubicle and they all had their own computer. And so all these people had rented computers for a different number of hours and they were all playing the computer in the store separate but together under the same roof. And I think this is how some of us view church sometimes. It's like, okay, you know, we're happy to come together under the same roof on Sunday morning. Maybe we'll even dim the lights a little bit. But like, I have my little thing here. You have your little thing here. And we're happy to kind of coexist in the same space, but we're all doing our own private thing under the same roof. It's another view of church, how people think about it what comes into our minds when we think about church has great consequences for our lives and for our life together because you can begin to see how this works if you think of the church as an extracurricular activity then you kind of treat the people around you as you know what maybe they'll be my friend for a month or two but then I'll just you know do something else Or if you think of church as a place to be entertained, honestly, you don't really care who's around you as long as they don't mess up your experience. Or, you know, it's nice to talk to people for a couple minutes before and after. And if you think of church as that that kind of computer store, it's like, hey, nice to see you over here, but I'm good. I got my little, little space. What we think about church affects our relationships with one another and when we think about these views of how people view the church outside the church and even inside the church, what I want us to look at this morning is is some images of the church we get in Scripture to see how different the images of church we get in Scripture are from how we often view the church. Because when we go to the Scriptures, we, we get some different images, maybe images you think about, maybe they came into your mind earlier, maybe they're ones you haven't thought about, but they're very important because here in God's word we learn who the church is and how we're called to relate to one another. And so when we look in the Bible one of the one of the first images, one of the most prominent images we get of who the church is is this idea that the church is a family. The church is a family, the family of God. And Jesus is the one who kind of begins to, to paint this picture of, of the church, the, his followers as a family. When in Mark's gospel, you might be familiar with this story, uh, Jesus is teaching and his mother Mary and his brothers arrive where he is and uh, they're kind of looking for him. Uh, we can go to the slide with the scripture on it and uh, we read this Mark verse 31 Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around Jesus and they, they said to him, hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And then Jesus says this. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother my brother and sister and mother. Now, when I was reading this this week, I thought, you know, I wonder how offended Mary was at this statement from Jesus. I mean, here she is, the one who gave birth to him. Here's his brothers. They're calling for him. And he says, who who is my mother? Who are my brothers and my sisters? It's the ones who do God's will. Here, Jesus begins to, to almost redefine Family, And I'm sure it was shocking, maybe a little offensive to Mary and his brothers, and I'm sure it was shocking to the people sitting around him because they began to think like, Jesus, what are you talking about? And they began to realize that Jesus, he wasn't just forming another chapter of the Rotary Club. He wasn't forming uh, another Kiwanis Club chapter there by the Sea of Galilee. He was forming a new family. He was forming a new family. And as you look at how he interacted with the disciples, you you get this picture of family, of the level of attention he gave them, The, the way they shared resources, the way they spent time together. And these followers of Jesus, over time, this idea of family became important because after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven, as people began following him, their families began to forsake them and say, you know what, if you're going to follow that guy, you're not going to be part of us anymore. But the church became their new family. The church became the new center of their lives, the people who walked with them, who supported them, and loved them. Instead of blood binding them together as in their old families, now it was the blood of Jesus Christ binding them together in a new family. And so in Paul's letters, we we get this language, his letter to the church in Thessalonica. Paul writing here, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they say this, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. you see all the familial language there? Do you, do you see what Paul's writing? Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. As a father deals with his own children. And then he uses this phrase here that we find throughout Scripture. This idea of brothers and sisters in Christ. Anybody here grow up in a church that, that called each other brother and sister? Like, hey brother Tom. Hey, Sister Gertrude. I don't know why I used Gertrude, but you know, I didn't grow up in a church like that. But I, I I like that. I like that idea of calling one another brother and sister. One, it reminds us of who we are. We are the family of God. We're not called to be mere acquaintances. We're called brothers and sisters. And number two, the reason I like it is if there are new people and you don't know their name, you can just say, hey brother, good to see you. Hey sister, glad to have you again. It's the 12th week. I don't know your name yet, but sister, have a good one. Okay. So you can use it as a tool. If you forget somebody's name, you can just call them brother or sister. And when you leave today, I want you to greet one another as brothers and sisters. This is an important idea that we're, we're seeing in scripture, that we are a new family Bonded together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us, he tells us how we become part of this family. He tells us we don't earn our spot in this family. We don't deserve our our spot. We don't perform our way into this family. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And later, in chapter 4, When the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are our sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We become adopted sons and daughters in the family of God through Faith in Jesus Christ. It's simply by Believing in him, that he is God's son that we celebrated at Christmas. He's God's son. He is God with us who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, showing us how to love. He died a sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. He rose again in new life with victory over sin and death. He ascended into heaven and he reigns at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Paul says, when we have faith in him, in this Jesus, we become adopted sons and daughters of God's family. That's good news, church. We become part of God's family. And I, I know that this idea of family. I mean, sometimes even I shy away from it. I'm talking about church because like, I won't do a show of hands. I mean, how many of you had families that were complicated and dysfunctional growing up? Yeah, two hands over here. Uh, and so this idea of church as family can also be like, ah, I don't know if I want another family. I got one, and that's enough. And, and when you read in the New Testament these letters about the church, like you realize they didn't have it all together. They weren't perfect. A lot of times they were dysfunctional. Some crazy stuff was going on. But but even so, they, were, they didn't give up on this ideal of being a loving family. Instead, Scripture tells them, "Hey, forgive one another, love one another." seek unity with one another. Encourage one another. Don't give up on this idea that you are brothers and sisters. Don't break unity. And scripture doesn't give up on this ideal because if you've been part of a loving family, you know how that can transform you. You know the sense of belonging, the sense of You know how beautiful it is to have people with you in the lowest moments of your life and to have people with you celebrating in the highest moments of life. And so scripture tells us the good news that through faith in Christ, you can become part of a new family. The family of God. That's one of the images we get. And then there's another image one we've talked about here a, a fair amount on Sunday mornings in the fall when we were in our, in our Entrusted series, and that is this idea of the church is a family, but also the church is the body of Christ. And this idea comes once again from Paul's letters to the church in Rome. He says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. The body of Christ. This is a beautiful image. Paul gets us of, of also what the church is, who we are called to be. And you know about a body, like if, if the ear becomes separated from the body, what happens to the ear? It dies, yeah. Yeah it just withers. It can't exist on its own and function properly. What happens to the body if if it's missing an ear? The body can't hear as well as it could have if it had the ear. Paul is saying, look, each part of the body needs the body, and the body needs each part to function properly. And so here he's pointing us to this idea that, that as the church, as the body of Christ, he's saying, look, faith in Jesus Christ, it's a very personal thing, but it's not meant to be a private thing. Because if you're trying to live apart from the body of Christ, guess what? Spiritually, you're going to die. You need the body of Christ. You need to stay connected. And he's saying, look, the body of Christ needs you. We all need one another in order to be the people that God created us to be. So in Scripture, we we get this idea that we are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We are His hands and feet in the world. And every part is needed, no matter how small or insignificant we think it might be. And then there's a third, a final image I'll... I'll share with you, and this is one I, I, I've often overlooked. I'll be honest, um, but in the sermon series, I'm going to sermon series. I'm going to be drawing from this this little book called "One Another" by uh, Pastor David DeSilva, Silva. And in this book, um, and you can order it online. Uh, encourage you to read it; it's good stuff. Uh, he points out a third image that oftentimes I haven't thought about, and that is the church as a building. And we we see that in Scripture, and maybe. When I asked earlier, "Hey, think about the church," maybe that was what came into your mind. You thought about pulling down Harvest, pulling down Simpson Mill Road and seeing Harvest Point up here on the hill, or maybe you thought about your childhood church or a big big church building that you drive by regularly. I mean, a lot of the times we think about the church as a building. And scripture tells us that the church is a building, but but when scripture talks about the church as a building, it's not talking about a literal building because at the time all of this was written, they weren't building all these huge cathedrals and huge churches. Instead, they were meeting in one another's homes. They were meeting in smaller groups. They were meeting in public spaces. They hadn't constructed all these amazing things yet. Instead, when scripture talks about the church as a building, we find them talking about the church as a spiritual building. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4-5, through 5, we read this. As you come to him, the living stone, that is Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God Through Jesus Christ. We're being built into a spiritual house. Paul in Ephesians says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built together as a dwelling place for God, as a spiritual building for him and so when we begin to think about all these images I don't know if you notice the commonalities in these images the family of God the body of Christ a spiritual building what you'll what you'll begin to notice is that all of these images are collective images they're all images of people coming together. They're not individualistic images of all of us just doing our own things like we often think about today. They're all collective images. They're also images in which each part, like these little blocks, each part is necessary for the whole. Right? Each part of the body is needed. Each stone for the building is needed. And then you might have also thought about how each of these images are Christ-centered. And scripture tells us, I don't know if you've ever built an arch like I'm building here. But when you're building an arch, do you know the most important piece of it? The cornerstone because without the cornerstone the piece right in the middle there it it won't stay up because it's the cornerstone that supports everything and allows it to stand and in these images we get this idea that Jesus is the cornerstone he is the one drawing us all together as a family it's his body that we're a part of he is the cornerstone of the house that we're building and the reason we're talking about this this morning as we begin this new year is because we were created for community. In the last couple of years, we, we, we've seen this with our own lives. We know we weren't created to do life, to do life alone because we've realized how miserable it is. We were created for community. And we're also talking about this because God wants to use you to help transform someone else's life here at Harvest Point. And he wants to use someone else who's part of this family to help transform your life. And he wants to use us as a church to be part of the transformation of the world that his Holy Spirit is doing. And so in 2022, I know there are a lot of uh, resolutions things we could stop doing, things we need to start doing. We could, we could all make long lists of them. But I want to just challenge you with one this year. And that is to lean in to one another. Lean in to one another, this family of God here in this place. The body of Christ. Lean in to one another. And maybe you had a bad experience with church growing up or recently. But we want to invite you to to try again. Come together. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. But we're trying to live out our faith together with Jesus Christ at the center. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at some different commands in Scripture, at some of these different one another commands that we find of how we're called to live together so that we can be a witness to the world. So I want to invite you to lean in for your sake. For my sake, for our sake, and for the sake of our world. So let's pray and ask God to make it so. God, we thank you that you have drawn us together through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that you call us your sons and your daughters and that here in this room there are brothers and sisters that we can count on that we can rely on who love us and care for us god we thank you that that you've gifted each of us with with different spiritual gifts with different abilities with different talents so that so that as the body of christ we can we can live as your people in this world and we we pray god that you would give us the courage give us the faith, give us the ability to love one another, care for one another, rely on one another, be vulnerable with one another in this season to come. Because God, we need you, but we also recognize this morning that we need one another here and this place to become the people you've created us to be. And so, God, we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.